Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Buttermilk Boulevard, the podcast that discusses discographies of your favorite bands and the artists behind them. I'm your host, James, and today we're going to discuss the discography of the band In This Moment. To get a little admin out of the way, as always, make sure you leave a like, subscribe to the podcast, follow the podcast for more content in the future, etc., etc. I'm on most social media accounts under the uh, handle Buttermilk Boulevard Pod. Leave a comment, send me a message, leave a like, whatever you can do to support the podcast, I'd really appreciate it. And also just let me know what artists you'd like me to cover in future episodes. Now, for my discography discussions, um, I'm not an expert by any means. I do have some musical background. I've been a guitarist for uh, many years now. But um, So some of the things you hear in this podcast will mostly be opinion-based. If you don't share the same opinions, just feel free to reach out, share your feelings, let me know how you feel about that particular artist, band, album. Or maybe if I uh, hear something differently than you do, just let me know. So, welcome back if you've listened before. If not, then welcome to Buttermilk Boulevard. I said, As I said up top, today's band is In This Moment. A very unique band and one hell of a metal band. Starting off always with some background on the band, just to cover some stuff here. I won't touch on this much, but we'll kind of cover a little bit of the stuff. In This Moment is an American-made metal band from the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California. There are five members in the band with varying lineup. I'll mention a few times when the lineup changes kind of between the albums, so you kind of know who's playing on each album, but uh, the most current lineup of the band is the lead singer and badass metal singer, Maria Brink, guitarist Chris Haworth, or Haworth. Um, if I'm pronouncing these names wrong, Sorry, <laughs> but uh, we got guitarist uh, Randy Whitesell, um, and then bassist Travis Johnson, and then banging around on the drums is Kent Dimmel. The band has six studio albums, with hints of a possible seventh album coming soon. In this moment, has been nominated for Best Hard Rock Artist and Best Live Band in 2017. They were also featured on Loudwire's Music Awards, nominated for Best Hard Rock Artist of the Year. They have a few genres of metal that they kind of fall into. Generally, they're considered an alternative metal band or a metalcore band, but there's also been known to be referred to as industrial metal or gothic metal. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, Picking a Metal subgenre is like trying to choose your favorite type of cheese. All of them are cheeses, but some taste different than others. <laughs> My personal favorite is brie. <laughs> I like the consistency and the taste. It also goes great with casual conversations and a little bit of alcohol, but hey, it's still cheese. <laughs> anyway, back to this band. This band was formed in 2005 by lead singer Maria Brink and the guitarist Chris Haworth. They were joined by original drummer... Jeff Fob or Fab, and they uh, together they formed a band called Dying Star. They would later change this name to be called In This Moment, and then they would add a second guitarist, Blake Bunzel, I believe is how you pronounce it, and then bassist Josh Newell. Now, Josh Newell was later replaced with Pascal Romero, and then Jesse Landry, who would be the bassist on the first album. So basically for the first album, we have Maria Brink, the singer, guitarist Chris Haworth, and then Blake Bunzel. 
And then we also have the drummer, Jeff Fobb, and then Jesse Landry for bassist. Now, the first album released was called Beautiful Tragedy in 2007. This album kind of falls into the metalcore alternative metal genre. It's about 40 minutes in length, so it's kind of a breeze. And the the singles off of this record were the uh, title track, Beautiful Tragedy, Prayers, and Surrender. Now, I'll mention it up top, but every album features a song, or I should say an intro, to kind of put the audience into a mood for the album. I don't really want to call it a song per se. Like I said, it's more of an intro, but they usually consist of kind of atmospheric sounds and other odd like horror sounds and effects that are thrown in. Um, In this album, the intro track is Whispers of October, which is a very pretty, you know, relaxing rain sounds in the background and Maria Brink literally whispering some haunting words in the background. There's a a little singing thing that she does in that intro as well that's kind of similar to like a Nightmare on Elm Street or like a possessed demon child type of thing. It's like one of those little nursery, sounds like a nursery rhyme that she may be singing, Um, but it's creepy and it gets you kind of in the mood for what to expect. So for this album, I'd like to kind of start off with the general sound as a whole. Overall, the sound features a little bit higher ranges and pretty normal singing with the occasional metal screen thrown in for some added effect. The arrangements of the song focus on metal-like pacing, fast-paced, and kind of with melodic chorus lines thrown in like a hard rock song. The vocals are pretty damn impressive. Maria Brink has a lot of range. Her clean singing and the distorted metal screams both have some pitch changes with some high vocal ranges. The vocals are, are pretty obviously layered as, a bit as well. Her clean vocal sounds are double-tracked, so the, and then there's the metal scream that joins in with those clean vocals. So basically, there's three lines of vocal tracks that you can hear singing all at once. And then the metal, so it's metal scream underneath all of it, and then there's the clean vocals, which are underneath the main clean vocal line, at it, at, or the loudest vocal line. The guitar tones sound pretty unedited or modified, um, meaning it kind of sounds like it might have been recorded or mic'd straight from the amp and into the recording software. It's pretty common, um, especially for first albums. Minimal effects are being used. It's really just fresh guitar sound. When they do use guitar pedal effects, they stand out volume-wise, and it's pretty big tonal shift. Um, what I mean, like that, that shift kind of tells me that those effects were probably recorded after the main riffs of the chorus and the verse. What I mean to say is, like, when there is effect that kicks in, usually it's like a, a, a solo part or a little riff that's thrown in over the top, and it sounds really volume heavy, like they increase the volume just so you could hear that effect. The intros feature some pretty significant echoes as well, which adds a little extra layer to the atmosphere of the song. Probably a delay pedal um, of some kind, or just, you know, it could be a reverb, or, or just honestly, it could just be an echo pedal, because they have those as well. A lot of the songs start with an arpeggio, which is really just a fancy word of saying that they're striking individual notes in a chord, rather than, like, the entire chord at once. So they're not hitting several notes at once, it's just individual notes. So after the intro arpeggio, it usually jumps straight into the song, usually with quite a bang as well. Uh, A cymbal crash and a bass drop, possibly a metal scream thrown in there from Maria Brink. 
The song Circles features a pretty badass solo, which uh, surprisingly doesn't happen that often. Guitar solos, I mean. And when they are thrown in, they are pretty short and they sound more like a fill rather than like a solo, like a genuine guitar solo. I also like the um, I like the sound, the dual guitar sound that they have in Circles. It kind of reminds me of a solo from like an Iron Maiden type of song or a Judas Priest type of dueling guitar sound. Their acoustic stuff is also pretty impressive as well. When the Storm Subsides is a pretty heartfelt song, and it is a very pretty acoustic parts in it. It's some of the uh, it's one of the slower songs on the actual album. Most songs are pretty high intensity and faster paced. Just features a guitar um, on When the Storm Subsides. It's just the acoustic guitar and then Maria singing over the top. That song is also the final song on the album, so it starts off. Um, with that really haunting intro, and then it ends with like a really heartfelt acoustic song, which is kind of an interesting change in dynamic. The bass guitar sounds missing. Um, What I mean is there is a bass, and you can catch it occasionally, but it's mostly absent from the song, or it's just not turned up. This is actually pretty typical in metal, honestly. Um, Honestly, this is pretty typical in metal. I think mostly the reason the bass is usually quieter on metal songs is because the other instruments in the mix. The guitars are usually high gain themselves and they actually have a lot of bass. The mids are kind of turned down in it. The drums are usually uh, cymbal and snare heavy and there's a lot of bass drums, especially in metal songs, as well as there's a screaming vocalist that's over the top. So it doesn't really give much space in metal for a bass to really be noticeable. So it kind of drowns it out, so to speak. Um, But there's also the fact that bass guitars sometimes do add a distortion effect to their bass sounds, so it just sounds like a third guitar. So it's kind of hard to differentiate what the bass is doing. It's not always the case, but at least in this album, Beautiful Tragedy, that is the case. It's kind of like when it's, it's in there, you don't really notice it, but if you were to remove the bass sound you would kind of know that something's missing or off about the song. And lastly, here we have the drums, which are mainly just holding beats with a lot of cymbals. I kind of mentioned the snares as well. There's a lot of fills that are thrown in as well, but mainly they're there to keep the rhythm. Um, And they are very metal sounding in this album specifically. They have a lot of blast beats thrown in, which is really just a high pace kind of hitting snare and cymbals at the same time type of deal. Double bass pedals, you know, and like I said, that snare is very active in this album. They sound pretty tight in this album as well. Not a whole lot of reverb on the drums. There's not a lot of boom to the kick, so to speak. Most of the sound is kind of coming from that snare and then the cymbals as well. I think the drums really get a chance to shine on the song, the title track, Beautiful Tragedy. Debatably, probably the best song on the album. But overall, this album is a really good, solid album. Uh, I think it suffers some from the songs sounding kind of similar. They start very similar with that arpeggio that I mentioned, and then the kick into the main chorus line or the verse line. It's impressive musicianship, but there just isn't much variation or experimentation yet that they would have in later albums. I really recommend the singles on this record specifically. Like I mentioned, Beautiful beautiful Tragedy. I'm a big fan of the song Prayers, um, which is also a pretty good one. 
Beautiful Tragedy is a good for is good for like the non-metal heads. But hey, this is still a good album, and I, I can tell you right now I really enjoyed it. And I didn't really dislike any of the songs that were played. I just think it suffers a little bit from them sounding similar. So let's get into the next album here. The second studio album, The Dream, was released in 2008. Wikipedia advised me this album falls into the hard rock, alternative metal, and alternative rock genres. I do think this album is a little bit more rock than metal. Um, This album features a lot cleaner vocal parts, which isn't really associated much with metal anymore, and uh, a lot more power chords with harmony-driven riffs and drum beats. So yeah, it kind of falls into that rock category i would say a hard or rock category this album is pretty tonally similar to beautiful tragedy album so i won't get too much on how the individual instruments sound because they sound pretty much the same Uh, there's no lineup change either so for the most part the uh, band members are the same and they're maintaining that same sound that they had from beautiful tragedy interesting fact though this album features the singles forever and call me Forever was released on MySpace (laughs) to advertise the album. Uh, Remember when MySpace was relevant? (laughs) I used to have a, I used to have a lot of fun kind of decorating my page. I'm sure people might remember that. Uh, You could decorate your individual profiles or whatever, but uh, I'm pretty sure mine would have had skulls or, you know, guitars in the background. And then, uh, you know, with a classic rock song that would play when you visited the page, probably like Aerosmith or some shit back then. (laughs) But um, I'm pretty sure that uh, pretty much everybody I've talked to uh, about MySpace since it existed was like, I think I might still have a profile out there. (laughs) I never actually deleted mine. So uh, hopefully any job that I, uh, any job that I try to get doesn't do a background check on MySpace. (laughs) Anyway, I I digress here. Um, According to Maria Brink, uh, as far as getting back to the dream, the reason for the change in vocals is because she felt that the metal scream wasn't really that challenging. Uh, I'm pretty sure Wikipedia might be misquoting this a little bit, but essentially she chose to challenge her clean vocal sounds rather than her metal scream, which she said came very easy to her. I don't think Maria Brink really needs much practice in either part <laughs> to be said, to be fair uh her voice sounds very natural and it's there's very little strain in her voice and her range um she knows what her range is she's not straining herself to hit certain notes or anything like that um, unlike some metal screamers absolutely do strain themselves i don't think the vocal change is that different from the last album honestly it's, I mean, it is lacking that metal scream, but by no means does that kind of take away from the album. I don't think Beautiful Tragedy really had that big of a metal scream kind of sound either. <clears throat> they do a good job of balancing that out in the last album, but and she still does occasionally. Um, there's a massive metal breakdown in the song, Her Kiss. It's about three minutes into it that's really amazing, and it, ha- it features that screaming. Now, this album starts off with a track called Rabbit Hole, which is another build-up intro, just similar to Whispers of October that I mentioned in the last album. The album cover also features a mirror 
a round mirror that's kind of covered in ivy and then there's a crow sitting on it. I'm kind of wondering if the theme of this album was like Alice in Wonderland type of thing or like fairy tales as a whole because uh, you know, the the mirror is associated with, I believe, Snow White, if I remember my Disney right. Um, and then uh, the whole rabbit and the whole thing is kind of Alice in Wonderland-esque. Um, but I'm probably pulling that out of my ass. Why is a raven like a writing desk? <laughs> but I think uh, all of their albums have some sort of theme that they intended, but uh, I, don't, I don't really know. I know they're a pretty conceptual band. I think one of the major differences in sound is the bass has turned up quite a bit. The hard rock sound that they are going for really helps the bass not be drowned out as much as it was. Instead of like the metal, like I mentioned, when metal, all those instruments, all that noise happening at once, the bass kind of gets thrown to the side. It's mostly a droning bass, so there's not really much going on there. It's really just a kind of partner with the drums, and the drums haven't really changed much other than there's a little less double bass usage and the blast beats don't really happen as often. The guitar zone is pretty similar. It's about the same. There's a lot more tonal changes to the songs themselves, like thematically. Usually the two minute mark features like a dueling guitar solo um, in the single forever. Go listen to that one. I recommend it. But um, there's that dueling little guitar riff and there's some metal you know, breakdowns thrown in here and there just for just to appease those fans, probably. I think the song All For You features a Digitech whammy pedal, which you you may not recognize that just by saying it, but you'd recognize the sound of it. It's used frequently in bands like Rage Against the Machine. Tom Morello uses that um, that Digitech whammy for some of the solos, specifically in Killing in the Name Of. Uh, and then also bands like the White Stripes, Jack uh, White uses a lot of that effect for his guitar solos as well. It's that kind of really higher pitched sound that changes the, essentially changes the tone of the guitar. So that's a higher end, like a squeal rather than a, you know, the normal guitar tone. But in this specific song, All For You, I can't tell 100% that they're using a whammy pedal because it's actually pretty smooth, which isn't, Whammy pedals are not typically known for their smoothness. <laughs> um, they're usually pretty abrupt, and there is some gradual change that you have control over, but I don't know. Maybe by this point in 2008, the Digitech Whammy was a little bit more higher uh, higher quality of sound and had a little bit more of that gradual increase in sound. But I, it's kind of hard to tell, like I said, just because of the riff line that could just be the... Uh, both guitars doing higher and then a lower end stuff, but I don't know. I think the only real change I noticed was the guitar being a little bit slightly darker in tone and the bass, you know, being audible, of course, but I think if I were to recommend a song off of this album, specifically The Dream, to kind of show off the musicianship of the band, I'd recommend that song I mentioned, Her Kiss. Of course, the singles are great as well in their own right, but Her Kiss is pretty impressive, and it's actually a really good song to show off the band and what they're capable of at this point in time. I also like the song Into the Light, which is a pretty bad, badass you know, piano piece with Maria taking charge. For you metal purists out there, I, uh, go listen to Great Divide if you're just looking for that metal scream and heavy metal riffs. But overall, this album is pretty solid. I think... It's a better mix and arrangements 
they're getting up there, you know, they're, they're finding out their sound. The songs are all solid. And I, I honestly, I don't think I disliked any of the songs in here. I'm not a huge fan of the intro stuff, but I mean, it's not technically a song, so you can't really say anything bad about it. <laughs> but so I feel like I'm holding my breath here for some reason, talking too fast, but I'll try to slow down a little bit. So the next up we have a star crossed wasteland. So far, this is the heaviest album out of the two that we've discussed. It uh, starts off with the gun show instead of an intro track. They still have an intro track in the album, but it would come a little bit later. Uh, a Star Cross Wasteland, though, was released in 2010, and it would be their third studio album produced by ITM in this moment. The bassist from the previous record, Jesse Landry, has since left the band. And then this album, he was replaced by Kyle Conkiel, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, this would be the only album to feature Conkiel and the last album to feature the guitarist Blake Bunzel and the drummer Jeff Fobb as well, or Fab, whatever. This album was intended to be dark and heavier, according to Maria Brink via Wikipedia. <laughs> um, the genres of this one are pretty metalcore heavy. There's, I think it, they threw alternative metal in there as well. The singles off of this album were The Gun Show and The Promise. And a little bit of background here. Lyrically, the album focuses on uh, Maria Brink's personal life in a symbolic way. At least that's what Wikipedia said. This album followed a breakup with bassist John Miller from Devil Driver, which is another pretty modern metal band that people are aware of. Um, so it kind of shaped some of the lyrical focus of the album uh, in some degree. So now we're at the point that the tone of the instruments and the direction are complete 180. Instead of that hard rock sounding vibe that they gave in the previous albums, the guitars have tuned down a lot and there's a lot more gain behind them. It kind of sounds like they favor the lower ends to try and get a darker tone here. Honestly, the tone isn't that dissimilar to kind of like a new metal tone, which is, if people don't know what new metal is, that's essentially like a band like Korn or Slipknot or bands like that. It's a much more aggressive tone in this entire album, uh, and the album as a whole is pretty aggressive. The bass guitar has kind of performed a vanishing act again. It's, an, it's another has fallen kind of by the wayside for the other instruments that are being a lot louder now and a lot darker in tone. So they kind of match what the bass sounds like, which is a naturally darker instrument as a whole. Maria Brink is vocally mixing up the styles here that we've kind of come to know. Uh, it kind of keeps you guessing, which is kind of fun. You never really know what kind of singing that she'll do in each album. She's definitely added a lot more distortion and heavy metal screaming to her vocals than the uh, previous two, which had a lot more melodic singing intermixed. Um, but she honestly, she doesn't miss a beat and transitioning those really high distorted vocal screams with kind of like a melodic clean tone is just, you know, she does it on an expert level that I'm, you know, it's kind of unheard of. The drums are pretty similar to the last uh, at least the last two. I think there's a little bit less fills. Maybe I'm just imagining that, but it seems like the drum's doing a little bit less. The drumming's a little bit more straightforward. 
Uh, however, there is a part in the song Standing Alone that is actually really impressive. I think this uh, this new guy has a lot like some quick-ass wrists, man. He does a little snare roll that is, uh, you know, fastest thing I've ever heard in my life, but at least at this point. Uh, still pretty snare-heavy and still pretty, you know, cymbal-happy stuff. This album is pretty close to what their current sound would become, um, but we're not quite there yet. I uh, I don't have a lot to say about this album, but I do think it, uh, I think besides the guitar and the added vocal scream, I don't think it's that far from the previous two albums. I still kind of consider these um, in this moment as a train of thought of like two different eras in the band. The first era, era is like these first three albums, and then the second era, which is their most current sound, is the last three, and then anything that might follow later, I, I, or I assume that, unless they change up their tone again. I do recommend the song The Promise, as it shows kind of that juxtaposition I mentioned where it's uh, a melodic rock sound with that screaming heavy metal vibe to it as well. So it's a, it's a pretty balanced song, and I do recommend it. It's also a pretty good song. The song uh, The Promise also features the artist Adrian Patrick, who is a singer in the band Otherwise, which I'm not familiar with. He's sharing that vocal spotlight with Brink, so they're kind of trading vocal parts there. Of course, if you listen to anything on this album, it's got to be The Gun Show. I think The Gun Show is probably the highlight of the album. And then uh, the song Blazin' is also a pretty heavy, badass metal jam. As a final note, I do think the song The Road has a pretty badass breakdown towards the end, which is very reminiscent of the breakdown from Pantera's Domination. If y'all are familiar with that, it's towards the end of the song. It's a little bit more sped up, but I wonder if this was intentional. Uh, it sounds a little bit like a tribute to it because it sounds pretty damn close to what Domination's breakdown is. But either way, you know, it's a badass and headbang worthy song. So it's a great album. You should check it out if you care to give it a listen to. Next up, we have the album Blood. Blood was released in 2012, and this would be In This Moment's fourth studio album. This is the album that really defined the sound that In This Moment would have going forward. This time around, they brought in guitarist Randy Whitesell for, uh, to replace Blake Bunzel. Travis Johnson would replace Kyle Conkiel as the bassist, and then drummer Tom Hain replace Jeff Fobb or Fab. Now, Travis Johnson and Randy Weissel are both part of the most current lineup, along with Maria Brink and Chris Holworth. The genre on this album would be described as uh, alternative metal, um, new metal, and industrial metal, and metalcore. So we're throwing in some different subgenres here. The singles to be released from Blood is the title track, Blood, Adrenalize, and horror. So this album is actually amazing. I don't want to bury the lead here, um, but I enjoy the hell out of this album. They're starting to adapt a more horror-esque theme, thriller type of theme to their albums that is pretty reminiscent of a band like Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie, where it's very eccentric kind of horror sounding. They're still pretty, um, pretty true to themselves as a band. They're not replicating Marilyn Manson or anything. I just use those as kind of examples of the theme that they kind of have now. 
but I do feel that this album blood is, uh, it does sound like almost a new band. Like we're listening to a different, different people now, which, you know, there's three different new members to the band. So, I mean, it pretty much is a new band at this point. Aesthetically, I do recommend that you watch the music videos that was released from this album, as I kind of think they show off that horror aesthetic that I was kind of mentioning. The band is actually, um, in, in the music videos and in live, the band is covered in suit and, or ash or something. Um, the guitarists, the drummer, the bass, they're covered in this like white ashy stuff. And then Maria Brink is usually dressed up to look like she came straight from like the Met Gala or something. <laughs> usually this is kind of accompanied by being covered in blood. So she'll be dressing like in a really fancy looking leather dress looking thing. I don't know what to call them. But, and then she'll be covered in blood with long spiky nails. <laughs> um, and the guitarists, you know, they're spitting out blood as well. The bassist, Travis Johnson, he's wearing a... Uh, a mask that's kind of similar to like a bandit mask um, from like cowboy era. Um, but it's a little bit more metal. It's a little bit more glammed up to be metal friendly. There's also two women that make an appearance now in the band um, that accompany Maria Brink. And they're usually garbed up in kind of uh, expressionless masks, so to speak. It's those really cheap masks that you can buy like Spirit Halloween during that time of year uh, that don't, I mean, they're probably not cheap in this band, but but you know the masks I'm talking about. They don't have any expression. They're just a blank face, essentially. Um, they are basically glorified. These two women are basically glorified background dancers, and they're very choreo, you know, background dancers with very choreographed dance parts. And they kind of, uh, they do a lot of pretending to worship Maria Brink. Uh, I mean, don't we all? But, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, and even the, like, I, I don't know, who these two women are. I don't know if it's because they seem to be in the picture live performances and in the next albums to follow. These would be a consistent, you know, these two background dancers would be pretty consistent. I don't, I'm kind of curious if it's the same background dancers since the beginning. Um, like if it's the same background dancers in this album, I wonder if they follow through in the next album and then the next, so to speak or if they're hiring different backup dancers. Uh, and I think the guitars are a little bit glammed up at this point. Um, not a whole lot. Later on, these guitars would become like monsters in themselves. They're intended to look like that on purpose, but they've got a whole bunch of like screws and gears and stuff glued onto them that kind of emphasize that feel that they're trying to get across. They've leaned a little bit more into the fairy tale aspect, which I mentioned from Dreams. Whereas Dreams was like the Alice in Wonderland album, the music video for Blood is, uh, the actual song Blood is pretty close to the, like a dark adaptation of Snow White. Um, and I believe Maria Brink is playing the evil queen in that regards. Like she's holding an apple that's all bloody. And... But speaking of the album Blood, um, they really adopted a darker tone here. They added a lot more electronic effects to the mix as well. That really kind of helps to shove some darkness into your life. Uh, lyrically, the album is a lot different than the previous ones. Um, there is a lot less themes of like love or loneliness or, you know, just dreams, essentially. Um, <clears throat> this album is very dark. It's very angry. And there's a lot more pain added to Maria Brink's vocal performance. Intentional pain. 
Marie Brink is once again changing her vocal performance, which, like I said, she keeps you guessing. Um, from the previous albums, this album is pretty... It has, a, it has a happy medium between the vocals of Dreams and uh, Star-Crossed Wasteland. So it's kind of like that middle ground. I think the song Horror really shows off her vocal abilities, and that's probably their number one most requested live song ever. It's probably their biggest hit that they have as well. That song is pretty awesome, and I know it, it has meaning that my little male brain will never understand. <laughs> But uh, but if I were to guess, I, I, I'm pretty sure if you looked it up, it says that that out that specific song is meant for uh, self empowerment and try to take away the power of that word whore, which is actually pretty cool. But the song itself is actually really awesome as well. I do recommend it. Uh, all I know for certain is that the song is amazing, and the video features Chris Motionless which a lot of y'all may not know that name, but he's from the metal band Motionless and White. But back to the vocals here, the metal scream is much, much more distorted than previous ones. The layering actually doesn't happen as much. That You don't get that layering sound that was in the previous three albums. In fact, when I do hear vocal layering, it actually just sounds like backup vocals instead. There might be some layering of Maria Brink's voice, but I'm pretty sure that Chris... Howarth was given uh, credit for backing vocals. It's very, very subtle. Oh, you can miss it if you blinked type of thing, but um, there is some background vocals there. Now, Maria has implemented a kind of moaning or groaning sound um, that kind of reflects the vocal pain that I mentioned. This is actually unlike any singer I've ever really heard. She's got a very unique sound to her voice. Um, it's not really like a polished type of singing like you would see at like a Grammys performance, although they're completely worthy of one. <clears throat> but it's still very impressive, and it her voice actually evokes a lot of emotion. Basically, if you didn't know what she was saying in the music, like if you didn't know what the lyrics said, you weren't looking at them, um, you could really feel what she's trying to get across in her vocal performance. She's got a lot of motion to it. It's very emotionally driven. It's very impressive. It's actually pretty progressive as a metal band as a whole as well. Because usually metal bands are pretty singularly angry. They're just, that's it. Um, and while that is reflected in some of these songs, there's a lot more going on here than just, I'm angry at everybody. Now the drums here are much bigger sounding. The snare has been drawn back a little bit more in favor of like big booms of the floor tom and the kick drum. The cymbals are used a little bit more sparingly. The cymbals are used a little bit more sparingly, um, but you know, often there's a hi hat that's open. Um, it could be like a, he's using the ride cymbal as well, but it sounds like the hi hat is open for the most part. There's not a lot of ticking away to keep a time. It keeps the time, but it's not. It's more intended for sound rather than to keep that time. These are the type of drums that you can kind of feel in your chest. Has a lot of bass to it, a lot of bass sound. Uh, adds a lot of bang to the song, so to speak. The bass guitar is a lot better as well, in my opinion, than previous albums. They're very reverb sounding. Um, 
it might be distorted in some songs. I can't really 100% tell, um, but it reminds me of kind of like a, actually just all the instruments as a whole remind me of a little bit of like a Alice in Chains type of thing, which if you listen to that podcast, I kind of mentioned this, but all of the instruments are uh, often hitting the same notes at the same time, which adds that kind of extra push and impact to certain parts of the song. In other words, when guitarists, when the guitars play an E chord and hold that note, so does the bass. He's also playing an E, holding that note, and the drums might hit a floor tom to kind of build that echo so it kind of echoes through the song for a bit. Adds, Like I said, adds a little bit more power and impact to the, those specific notes. The guitars themselves actually have a lot more power in them. I don't mean to keep using that. That's just for lack of a better term, but they, uh, they're a lot more darker sounding and deeper sounding than Starcross Wasteland was. They've backed off that new metal sound a little bit. They, they still kind of sound similar, but honestly, the sound is pretty close to somewhere between new metal and like a groove metal type of sound with low and heavy, but it's also got some high parts. To use the descriptive word, they, the guitars feel a little bit chunkier. Um, actually, now that I think about it, it's, it's not too dissimilar from the sound Zach Wilde has. Um, Zach Wilde, if y'all are unfamiliar, he's uh, he was a guitarist for Ozzy Osbourne for some time. But we're not here to talk about him. The guitars do have some reverb thrown in, probably some chorus. And the guitars are very aggressive sounding. Um, like I said, they favor those low ends versus the high ends, but they do have some high end stuff thrown in there. And even though this is a metal band, the guitars don't really drown each other out much. Um, it's actually pretty expertly mixed this album and you can kind of hear the individual notes that both guitars are playing and sometimes they don't always play the same parts but when you you can hear what randy is doing or what chris is doing um you you probably couldn't tell which one is doing which honestly but you could see you could play those parts um it's actually a special shout out to this band for kind of making it easier for guitarists to learn how to play these awesome songs so often are these, you know, metal song metal songs are just trying to overcomplicate things and it makes it almost impossible to well, for one, for them to perform live, but also for people to replicate it. Getting back to the album as a whole, uh, Blood went certified gold. Um, and it was their first album to go certified gold. As much as they like their new sound, so does the audience as well. They really like this change from the previous albums to this. This is kind of a great in introduction album um, for the unfamiliar out there, the people who don't know who In This Moment is. This is the album I'd probably tell them to go listen to because I think it's a great introduction to this band and what they are and how powerful they can be. I'd really, if it was just one song, I'd say I'd recommend listening to Horror and maybe Adrenalize if you listen to anything at all. But as a whole, this is a great album and probably one of the best ones they have. And that's not saying much because all of their albums are pretty damn good. Next up, we have the album Black Widow, released in 2014. This is the fifth studio album for the band. The lineup hasn't changed this time around, so it's still the same members from the previous album, Blood. And for the most part, it sounds very similar to Blood tonally. Um, the singles off of this album were Sick Like Me, Big Bad Wolf, and Sex Metal Barbie. In case you needed 
Um, any more reason to think this band is embracing a horror theme? I, re- I just suggest you go listen to the intro track. <laughs> Uh, the intro track Infection was is one of those like 90 second long intros that I mentioned from the previous albums that really isn't a song. It's just an intro track to build you into an album. I love these little intros because they really lead you into the feel as well, what they're trying to get across for specific albums. But specifically, this intro is makes me really nostalgic for like horror movies and stuff, makes me want to go watch one. But uh, there's like some scratching sounds in the background. Um, maybe it sounds like almost like a, a teapot squealing in the back when, like when it gets steamed up, um, some scratchy violins are thrown in, um, which, you know, are a little bit off note, you know, just that slightest bit off. So it feels uncomfortable. Then there's that atmospheric synth sounds that they have as well. That's pretty typical of horror movies, but What I wanted to point out is this specific intro has the camera flash sound from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If you, so yeah, it's horror. I love it. (laughs) But, um, even the music videos are like horror themed for this specific album. I don't normally go watch music videos when I do this discography, especially for, you know, artists like Elton John, who I'm still trying to get through the rest of those albums for part three, but I don't typically watch the music video because it takes up a lot of time. Um, and I rather just listen to music, but in this case I did cause they're actually fun and I like horror, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, for like the music video for big bad wolf, which I'll kind of get into later that song specifically, it's a, has a really great horror ex- aesthetic, um, which is kind of taking place in like a mental asylum or something. I don't know, but it's good. So again, anyway, the sound hasn't changed much. Um, I think they leaned a little bit more into the electronic effects in this album than the previous one, Blood. So in Black Widow, there's a lot more electronic stuff. The single off the record, Sex Metal Barbie, has a uh, like a cutting sound. I don't really know how to describe it otherwise, but it's it's like a record scratch. It's It's basically that intentional skipping that DJs do that are like uh, right before the main sound and and right after that build up. So like building up, building up, building up and they'll stop it, do a little scratch thing. And then boom, it's, it's not a record scratch. It's I'm just not describing it very good, but if you go listen to the album, you'll know what I mean. Basically the sound is just cutting in and out. And I've uh, probably talked enough about this, (laughs) but anyway, all these effects are probably added in post, these electronic effects, because there's really no way to kind of do that sound beforehand and write a song around it. I'm sure it's possible, but I don't think that's logical. Uh, it's a special special sp- shout-out to, in this moment's mixing team, because this is some next-level shit as far as mixing is concerned. These instruments are so expertly mixed together that, you know, it's it's unlike many bands that you know of, especially in the metal genre. I, it's not often I can say I know what the guitar is doing versus I know what the bass is doing. Cause it's usually, um, very busy sounding genre. So it's kind of hard to differentiate specific parts, especially with the high gain guitars and stuff. The guitar is still pretty, uh, chest rattling and the drums and bass kind of team up to further fuck up your sternum. <laughs> but, uh, there's also a little feature on this album I want to mention. It's a singer named uh, Brent Smith, 
who people might know from the band Shinedown. He is featured in the song Sexual Hallucination. Uh, No disrespect to him, but I'm not the biggest fan of that song. Uh, But that's neither here nor there. It's just kind of cool to have a little feature in there. Um, The song, you know, the vocals from Maria Brink are amazing as always. I feel like Maria is experimenting a little bit more with the higher ranges of the metal scream she does, specifically the metal scream. I think it's like in the last album she hit a ceiling as far as how high she could scream. And then in this album she broke through that ceiling and is hitting higher ranges. Um, It could just be also the mixing and arrangements of the songs themselves, but her scream is like unnaturally awesome. (laughs) Like I don't really know how to describe it, but uh, I recommend that people listen to two of the songs off this record, Black Widow, to kind of show off what I mean by these vocals. Uh, The song, the song Fighter, which is a slower song featuring Maria Brink in a piano which I believe she actually plays that piano. It's a darker piece that kind of she reflects a lot of pain in her vocal performance, which I mentioned that's kind of typical of her vocal sound as well. And the second song I recommend as a whole, but also because of the vocal performance, is the song Big Bag Wolf. Fuck me, this song is awesome. (laughs) But... There's a scream about four minutes into that song that they really do a good job of building up to that screaming part. And it's probably the loudest and most longest held metal note I've ever heard in my life as far as a scream is concerned. It's like, unlike anything, gives you goosebumps. And for lack of a better term, (laughs) it's just metal. (laughs) But it's a good one. I recommend that song anyway, just as a whole, because Big Bad Wolf is their single off that track. And it's also really good. And they do perform that live. Anyway, there's not a whole lot to say about this album that I didn't really say about Blood. I think they leaned a little bit more into the electronic effects, like I mentioned, but that's no mean a bad thing. You know, it really adds to kind of the texture of the songs. The guitar solos at this point are almost non-existent. I don't, I don't think, you know, there's many at all. If I can, I can't even think of any off the top of my head, but I'm sure I'm missing them. I think the song "Into the Darkness" is a pretty creepy little song, um, if we can even call it that. It's more like an intro track. Again, it's the, uh, it's like a voice, a deeper, darker voice of what I, I don't know, like maybe a demon. And then Maria Brink is trading lines with it. If it's not that, then it's uh, it's meant to be like a voice in her head. And it's, uh, well, essentially the, the voice is like belittling her. And she's verbally trying to re-empower herself. Um, it, she's basically competing with the voice in her head. So on the outside, she'll be like, you know, I'm beautiful. And then the voice might be like, you're ugly. You know, that type of thing. I don't know, but... Uh, the end of that little part has a pretty disturbing uh, crying that she does, which just sounds fucking real, man. I don't know if it is or if it's like she's a really good verbal actor, but the crying in that is, again, next level stuff. But it leads into a song called Out of Hell, which is another pretty, it's actually a pretty sad song, but it's an awesome transition to go into this, you know, crying at the end of Intro to Darkness, or Into the Darkness, and then go into this song called Out of Hell. Out of Hell, uh, she's literally singing about a female teenager 
that turn to prostitution after tragedy. And then there's also, she sings about a teenage boy that experienced a tragedy as well and then got turned to drugs as a result. It's actually a pretty impactful and empowering message to have about these people who went from, you know, these terrible situations to another terrible situation. And they're almost looked down upon in the community, and Maria Brink is essentially saying that, you know, she's there for them. But anyway, I'm not here to talk about, you know, politics and hard messages like that, but it's a good song. I recommend it. It's hard to, it's kind of hard to recommend a song off this album specifically because they're all very good and fun. Definitely listen to the song Big Bad Wolf. Um, And if you're more into those soulful songs, The Fighter or Out of Hell are pretty great. But I really think that you should listen to the whole album. Uh, Natural Born Sinner is a good song as well. It's got a pretty amazing chorus line, which is really easy to sing along to. Bloody Creature Poster Girl, which is a long title, is a uh, fun metal song as well. And then Sick Like Me is another amazing hit off the record with some fun electronic bits that are thrown in with and then there's a uh, pretty awesome guitar breakdown about the 330 mark, I believe. But yeah, so I, I beat this album to death, but it's a, it's a good album. Black Widow, really recommend it. That one in Blood could be interchangeable, which one's better or not, but they're really great albums. All right, so let's get into the next record. And unfortunately, the last album we're going to discuss today, at least for now, this is the last album they've put out as well. The sixth studio album in this discography, is the album called Ritual. Ritual was released in 2017, so not too long ago, honestly, just about two years. This album featured a small change in the lineup. Um, The drummer Tom Hain has left the band at this point and was replaced by Kent Dimmel shortly after. Kent Dimmel is actually an active member in the band as well right now, so he's one of the most current members, I should say. The singles off of this record were Oh Lord, Roots, In the Air Tonight, and Black Wedding. This album is a concept album about the Salem witch trials. So if you needed more reason to say that they're (laughs) horror-themed. But anyway, uh, I think this is probably the darkest they've gotten as far as theme is concerned thus far. Each album dives a little bit deeper and deeper into kind of uncharted territories, so to speak. But in this case, the album touches on witches and rituals. Um, The cover is what looks like, the cover of the album is what looks like a possessed female who's like floating midair above the ground and she's like above a ritualistic symbol. It's very, uh, it reminds me of movies like The Conjuring or some similar possession movies like Exorcist and such, but... It's very creepy, and it's very fun. Um, Now, this album, lyrically, it touches on religion um, in the way that a lot of metal bands do. However, this album isn't anti-religion by any means, and I I don't get the impression that in this moment is either. Or at least they don't portray that in their lyrics, that they're anti-religious. The song, Oh Lord, features Maria, Uh, Maria Brink asking questions to God and asking for mercy. Um, Knowing the concept of the album, it sounds like kind of like a last rites type of thing, 
the chorus, she's asking God to have mercy because she's been lying with the devil. Literally, those are the words. Other songs on this record have pretty similar lyrical influence as well. It's very metal. It's very, it's pretty cool. But uh, this is kind of a much more serious and slower album than the previous ones. It's it's a little bit slower pacing. Electronic effects sound like they've been re- you know removed from the mix. Um, what I mean is like the that cutting effect that I can't seem to describe for the life of me. <laughs> isn't really that's not really happening the electronic stuff is more in the background now they're not really trying to change or affect the instruments by any means it's just more of kind of like a synth basis it's meant for an atmospheric sound in the background rather than changing the dynamic of the tones i think it's a pretty awesome balance of what they had done in the previous two albums as well i think rituals are pretty good where they've come to now I think that Maria Brink was quoted on this album as saying she wanted to avoid the sexualization she had in some of the previous albums, uh, which are absolutely prevalent. I mean, if you go listen to those albums, you know, there's songs called Sex Metal Barbie, and then there's a song called Horror and stuff. And I know they're all about empowerment, but to a certain degree, she is singing about sexualization and being empowered. In this case they kind of put that aside and they discuss a little bit more serious topics. Like I mentioned religion and being spiritual and stuff like that. Make no mistake. This is a heavy metal album with a very, you know, powerful guitars and bass. The drums are better than probably any previous album. In my opinion, sound wise, I think Kent is a great addition to the band because the drumming matches a little bit better to the theme and the sound of the band at this point. In other words, I think this most current lineup shows more chemistry that is actually audible in the albums. I don't think the previous members hurt the band by any means, but I think there was a lot of fast-paced stuff in the previous albums, and this album shows off a little bit more of the slower side of things, which goes really well with what their sound is. So all of the talent and greatness of the previous albums kind of coalesces into this you know, thrill ride of an album. This was actually my, this album ritual was actually my introduction to in this moment outside of hits like horror and adrenalize, which I'd been familiar with. I'd really only heard a couple of songs by them and kind of started to listen to the band on like a shuffle mix or something thrown in with some other bands I wasn't familiar with. It would show up on the, you know, my daily recommendations or something uh, on Spotify but I really didn't listen to him too much until Ritual. Um, when this album dropped, this was one of those albums for me that I was just like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to go buy it. I really liked the cover. You know, I you know like metal music as well. And I was kind of like, you know what? I'll, I, this, this seems like right up my alley. I'm going to go check this shit out. And I did. And ever since I did, I've been hooked on this type of music. I like the heavier stuff like Thy Art is Murder or like Behemoth or Meshuggah and stuff like that. But honestly, this type of album is a little bit more my speed. I know, uh, I kind of know what the singer is saying when they're singing. Even when they're doing vocal screaming, I can tell what Maria Brink is screaming or yelling. I can tell what the instruments and the other guitars are doing. And 
I like the songs because they're, you know, they're groovy, they're fun, they have lyrical, you know, meaning, and then they also have fun chorus lines. But I'm getting a little off track here. This is uh, Rituals. Uh, my point of all that is that I'm, this is the album I'm a little bit more familiar with than the previous ones. So if I sound a little biased towards it, now you know why. The single on this album, In the Air Tonight, if you guessed it was a cover, you're right. Surprise. <laughs> it's a cover of the Phil Collins hit in the air tonight of the same name. I actually like this version a lot better, <laughs> which might be offensive, but I really like the dark themes and the, the nat- feel kind of natural for that song. Um, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it before, but I think people don't really know that song anyway. Because anybody who listens to it is only getting, you know, impatient and they're just so they can do their best Mike Tyson impression from Hangover or something, which is almost always embarrassing to know that one friend that once insists on making the same joke everybody else does at that part, (laughs) air drumming and then trying to punch someone in the face. Oh, it's been done, man. Trust me. (laughs) But Anyway, I I just like this version a little bit better. It's a much deeper song than just, oh, hey, drum fill. You know, I think in this moment's version of the song is more preferred version to me just because the themes fit a little bit better with what the song is saying. That may just be me, though. I don't know. You can let me know how y'all feel. Anyway, the Metal God is on this album. (laughs) For those of y'all who don't know of whom I talk about, the metal god is Rob Halford of Judas Priest fame, the lead singer from Judas Priest. He's providing partnering vocals in this song, uh, Black Wedding, and that song is pretty badass as well. The chorus is actually really reminiscent of, not reminiscent, I think it's a dead-on for the Billy Idol song, White Wedding, but they've, you know, kind of changed it up to be Black Wedding because it's metal and it's fun. (laughs) I do recommend that song, though. It is really good. I also recommend the song River of Fire. It's got a pretty awesome chorus line that's pretty easy to sing along to as well. The lyrics are pretty legit as well. Uh, I'll read you some here. It's um, The chorus says, Let the storm rage, let the water run high, baptize me in a river of fire. Fucking metal as shit. <laughs> Pardon my language, but um, there's a there's a guitar part about two minutes in after the chorus of that song that sounds you know pretty badass as well. It sounds a little bit far away, like a TV static type of sound. It leads into it great. It's just a great lead in. But um, the bass in this album gets a lot more opportunity to show off on the song Twin Flames specifically. You can kind of hear the sound now that the bass has that Travis Johnson has added to the album. It's very reverb heavy. It's very chunky, actually. Not a whole lot of distortion that I can hear. I'm sure it's maybe added occasionally, but um, you can also hear Travis Johnson's fingers sliding on the strings, giving it kind of a sense of realism instead of a synthetic bass or something like that. With the themes of this album and the kind of awesome simplistic approach to music, uh, you know, fun songs. It's, it's really just the whole package here. I think this is my favorite album. Again, I'm a little biased because it was my first one, 
But uh, out of all of them, I think this one's my favorite. And then Blood or Black Widow are kind of close seconds. Those are interchangeable. They're re- both really good, so it's kind of hard to choose one over the other. But uh, yeah, nobody forgets their first, and I really like the theme of Ritual. So I like the witchy kind of demonic feel to it. So reminds me of horror movies, which is a genre I'm a fan of. So anyways, <laughs> that about wraps up this discography, guys. This has been a fun discography for me because I'm a huge band. This has been a fun discography for me because I'm a huge fan of this band as you know anyway. This is a band that has a you know some great music and great live performances on top of that. I just felt like I needed to cover a band this time around that you know I really knew that I enjoy and knew I wanted to enjoy more of type of thing. Um, and it's songs that I'm familiar with, so getting to pick them apart's a little bit more fun for me. Not that any of the other discographies have been bad. It's just I know this out. I know this band, and I like this band, so I thought it'd be a good pick. I've seen in this moment about three or four times since I discovered them in 2017. Um, I've seen them three or four times live. They were actually the first concert that I ever went to um, solo, so I only went by myself. Normally, I'd not even bother to go to a concert if I couldn't find somebody to tag along with me. But I don't have friends that really share my same taste in movies or music, so uh, metal or horror, essentially. So this was kind of a big moment for me, and I just kind of said, fuck it, kind of like I did with the actually buying the album, buying the Ritual album. I did the same thing. I was just like, you know, they're in town. I just discovered this band. Let's, you know, let's just, let's just go. I got time. Let's go check them out. And they ended up blowing my mind. (laughs) I also am a fan of bands with female singers as a whole. I don't really want to discuss, you know, major topics on this podcast, politics and all that crap. I avoid it. Uh, But I know that too many guys out there avoid female singers. I'm not really sure why. Maybe they feel manlier by avoiding it. Who the fuck knows? But anyway, uh, I'm a huge fan of female singers. I think you know bands like Hailstorm and In This Moment, which I mentioned, New Year's Day. Those those bands are really cool, especially in the metal genre. I'm a huge fan of Arch Enemy as well. But I kind of get off track. I, I like a lot of music. It's not a big surprise. I'm hosting a podcast about music, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I don't want to get too much in those, you know, that topic, but I just wanted to mention that, but yeah, let's, uh, moving on here. If you have not seen in this moment live, I do recommend that you go check them out. They are on tour probably 12 months out of the year, (laughs) just alone. And since this album ritual came out, they've come to Dallas three or four times. That's only in two years. (laughs) That kind of tells you how often they come to town, and I know they tour the entire you know country. So unless they just really like Dallas, which is possible, <laughs> but uh, they have a concert experience kind of unlike anything else I've seen. Much in the vein of like Kiss or Ghost or Avatar, they really make the concert a show. It's not, I mean, you get to enjoy the music you like from them as well, but you also get a show with it. They put on a good show. When they play the song, um, I believe it's Oh Lord, but it could be Roots. Um, it Maybe it depends on the day you see them, but um, they have this little ceremony that they perform during it that 
uh, it's like, you know, they have these little glowing balls that they lift up and it legit feels like they're performing a ritual, so to speak. And then the song I mentioned before, Big Bad Wolf, has two those two backup dancers that I mentioned and a kind of a choreographed dance with it. But they're also wearing these like wolf masks to kind of go with the song. Um, there's a lot of fog on their live performances. There's a lot of fun. And then there's lots of balloons that fall from the ceiling. <laughs> but it's a great time. Even if you haven't listened to the band, um, there's something to be enjoyed for everyone at their shows. It's just a good time. But this discography has been a bit of a trip, man. Every, you know, I wasn't familiar with their first three albums. I knew their last three, but their first three I wasn't too familiar with. Uh, every album was a ride, you know, it, it wasn't, and not any one album sounds like the previous album. It's, they're different, even though they maintain themselves and they're true to themselves anyway. It's very much a sound you know from in this moment, tonally, they tonally the albums match each other, but conceptually and, and experimenting wise, it's maybe different. Honestly, it's fun. It's, it's kind of what I look forward to in their next possible album. Uh, they've been teasing something called Mother for some time now, and I'm not sure if this is a direction of maybe their live performance, maybe they're changing that up, or if it's a tease of their next album title or something. I, I, honestly, I hope it's both. <laughs> but um, I do recommend people go check out this band. It helps that they are pretty interactive with their fans as well. I know on social media and even at performances, they're pretty talkative of fans. They seem to enjoy what they do, and that's kind of important. They also collaborate with a few bands that you may be familiar with. Um, they've been known to bring in artists uh, they're touring with on stage to perform a song with. Uh, when I first saw them, I know they played with uh, Motionless and White which I mentioned the singer of that appears on the horror uh, music video. Uh, but they brought Chris Motionless on stage to perform the song Black Wedding in place of Rob Halford. Anyway, um, if you want to listen to this band, which I do recommend you do, go support your bands. But um, y'all know I got a Spotify. Uh, it's called Buttermilk Boulevard Pod. And y'all can check that out on Spotify. Spotify recently did an update, and who the fuck knows how to navigate it. <laughs> but they really changed it up this time. But uh, anyway, it's uh, I'm sure you can search the playlists just the same. <laughs> just go in the search bar, put in Buttermilk Boulevard Pod. It should be available to the public, but if anybody tries and can't get to it, let me know. I'll see what I can do. But I um, again, I just... Uh, I appreciate y'all listening as always. I think that's going to sum it up for this week. Next week, I plan on doing my part three and final part of Elton John discography, um, which we can kind of get into that next week, but it's been a journey for that one as well. Um, after Elton John part three, uh, I do have something up coming up next weekend. So if nothing gets out, then don't be surprised if you don't see a podcast popping up on Monday of next week. But, um, I'll try to get it out there anyway, and then after Elden John, I'll probably take a week off <laughs> to give my ear a rest. Thank you guys for listening. Let me know what y'all think of the band in this moment. Hit me up on social media, comment on my posts and stuff. Just let me know you're listening, guys. It's completely free for y'all. doesn't cost y'all a thing. Um, <laughs> so thanks for listening. Y'all have a good one. See y'all later.